I do like going to Melbourne, um, even if I am spending the bulk of that um, in the shadow of the Westgate Freeway at, at the <laughs> Grey Hockey Ground. Yes. Um, uh, no, no, it was, it, was, it was nice. It was down down there for uh, for Rupert to play in the the Junior State Championships. Um, How did he go? Oh, look, their, their team underperformed. To be quite honest with you, mm. they had a uh, a couple couple of Unlucky draws and a loss that they probably shouldn't have. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it doesn't take much to end up in sixth place instead of playing off for the top two, to be honest with you. I so, hear that. Mm, but anyway, that's, although I thought, yeah, that would be us over and done with. But um, but then <laughs> we we nominated Rupert for the, the Victorian state team uh, and he had to go back down to do an assessment day on Tuesday. So, yes. so, so we'd been down there from, from, uh, from Monday till Friday last week. Then he had to go back down for the day on Tuesday for the assessment. Um, and excitingly, uh, he's got through that level to come along to the final trials. That's awesome. <laughs> again in Melbourne on, <laughs> on Sunday, which yeah. again, which you know, it was really, really exciting. And he's really keen for it. Um, and apparently, if he gets into the uh, the state team, uh, he'll get to go to training in Melbourne oh. twice a week. Oh. So, What's that, a lazy six-hour return trip? Yep. Oh. <laughs> so we're going to be we're going to be uh, getting very familiar with the Hume Freeway oh. if we already weren't. If he gets in, so how do you do that and fit school in? Well. Well, we're hoping that the training will be on the day that he has sport, so he can sort of knock off early. So I'm not going to sport, I'm going to training. Yeah. Um, but, uh, look, who knows? I mean, Gosh. It, it's not like he's the first country kid to make the... Or again, he hasn't even made it yet. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> we're getting but, ahead of ourselves. but, you know, it's not like he would be the first country kid to make the team. I think it's just a lot of uh, early knockoffs, one afternoon a week from work and down and back and... Mm. And then uh, spending a day down there every weekend as well for ten weeks until the the nationals. It... What an opportunity! That's yeah. spectacular. It is. It is a bit exciting. It's, Even uh, just to run on the field and be a part of the like you know go through the training squad, see if you get in there stuff. Yeah. It, it, well, let me tell you, he, he has already <laughs> progressed a long way beyond my uh, representative <laughs> career in, in uh, schoolboy sports. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so no, it, was, it was good. I, I mean, um, I, yeah, look, I, there's something about being uh, a sporting parent. Like, I, I don't want to be that um, over-the-top, carrying-on um, parent who is understandably uh, the image that, that we all you know, mm. cringe about. Um, but, you know, it is. It's really exciting seeing your kids uh, achieving and... Um, especially when they they really really love it, uh, and and that that sort of you know makes <laughs> all these bloody trips to Melbourne worthwhile because mm. because he really does love it and and um, and I don't know just get something out of you know being a part of a team 
um, especially this representative stuff, because uh, it helps him a lot, I think, locally, because now he's got mates on all the teams that he plays against uh, week in, week out. Mm. Um, And that really changes the vibe of those games as well. Um, Yeah. Like, like they're they're played with a lot, I think, a a bit more sportsmanship when you have friends on the teams that you're playing against. Um, yeah. Compared to sometimes where you see it get very, very aggro, like in, you know, third grade men's hockey. <laughs> <laughs> or any grade church soccer I've ever seen played. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's, uh, it's good. It's good. So, yeah, that, that's, that, that has just been the almost entire focus of our holidays. And, of course, it's, so, you know, that did mean, obviously, a week off work for me. Um, but, yeah, it's a week that doesn't feel like like you finish it and it doesn't feel like you've had a holiday after mm. you've been, you know, driving in city traffic that you're yeah. not used to, um, you know, not being in your own bed, but not also not getting up and, you know, popping out the door to do fun stuff. Yeah, not doing all the relaxing things that you would yeah. normally do in Melbourne, which I have to say, that's part of the reason I miss being in Melbourne. But the downside is that I can't see me getting to Melbourne for pretty much anything mm. in new jobs. So it becomes... Well, I have to go down for personal fun reasons, and then I go, oh, but, you know, Katy Perry tickets are going to cost me a million bucks, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly. so the, then you've got to fund it. But look, the, the, it's not like it was all, you know, just drudgery. Like, that's far from it. You got to catch up with some um, with some friends down there, and that was really Great. lovely. Um, yeah, it was good. Really, really good. So... But yeah, we might be seeing a lot more of it over the next couple of months. <laughs> yeah, I think you'll be finding a couple of great places to stop between over in Melbourne uh, just yeah. to find coffee. Mm. Yeah, well, but see, I'm not even a coffee drinker anymore, Steve. Oh, I Dave. Uh, see, too healthy. This is the problem with too healthy. Okay? Well, uh, well, actually, oh, I'm feeling really bad. I haven't, I haven't even gone for a run for a couple of weeks because, again, playing third grade hockey... I got a, I got smashed in the ankle mm. uh, a, a few weeks ago, and and it hurt a lot, funnily mm. enough. And I thought, oh, that's just going to bruise up a bit. Um, and it turns out it did more than bruise up a bit because oh. I don't know what's actually wrong with it, but it still hurts every time I put weight on that oh, foot. Oh, Dave! So, you know, I'm thinking I might have to get that looked at at some point. Yeah, they'll X-ray it and say, oh yeah, no, here's the problem. Oh, you yeah. know, you cracked at least two of the bones in your ankle. Yeah, I don't want to hear that answer (laughs) just just popping along in ignorance for a while you posted a photo on some of the some social media platform the other day Mm -hmm. did you're fading away like well it must have just been a very good angle (laughs) 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 which you know i I haven't (laughs) maybe the lighting was bad now look i've i've sort of stabilized my weight like I like I did like I lost a lot since last year. You are all skull and beard. I, I am. Well, see, this is this is where it gets a bit weird. Is is um, it, I, I've always like since I've gone that you know the the the, sh- the short haircut and you know given up on any pretense that I'm not bald. Mm. Um, you, you really do need to get on top of keeping it trimmed to the you know to to the head. Oh yeah, it looks really weird when it starts getting a bit longer, and the beard is exactly like that as well. Like whereas before, when I was carrying a few extra kilos, um, the beard was great because it would it would like hide uh, chins and things like that. But mm. now that they've gone, uh, now the if my beard gets a bit big, 
it, it, it makes my head look like I'm some kind of weird caricature with this tight, like, oh, like, a, like a Pez dispenser where I've got this skinny little body and this weirdly oversized, oddly shaped head. It's it's not good. <laughs> oh, dear. Look, it's a good problem to have, Steve. I'm, yeah, I'm, I hear good that. Good problem to have. How's the boxing going? It, look, it hasn't restarted, in part because, again, I looked at my... Um, term three calendar mm-hmm. and just went, look, I'm in North Queensland for two weeks and blah, blah. I just went, oh, I've got to find another thing. I've got to find something to be doing. And it's, it's butt laziness because I could just get up every morning and go for a walk around the local lake and back home and stuff. And that's, that's a, a sneaky 5k track mm-hmm. with some good hills and stuff. I'm just not getting out of bed. It's, it's the hardest bit. Like it, it, it it's the biggest cliche, but it's so true. That the the thing of you know the hardest part is putting your shoes on in the morning, mm. and that is still so true. Like I like I'll have days where if I don't get straight up and, and get going, it's that's it. It is just impossible. Cannot do a thing. Um, but if you actually get out there, like well, especially that it's so cold down here at the moment. You des- once you get outside, you're desperate to start moving to warm up. Yeah, I hear. When this is the thing, like once I get to the lake. Uh, once you start, it's like, well, I either turn back and, you know, everyone that's running around the lake judges me for only doing half the lake or I just walk around it. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's just getting up and getting there. And part of my, my problem, Dave, is that I, I like to be at work early. Mm-hmm. It's not even because it beats the traffic because the traffic is just a nightmare. That's a whole other argument. Um, but I like to be at work early in the most part because it means that I can sort of Oh, it's three o'clock. See you later, kids. I'm going home, and then I've got a bit of time in the afternoon with my family and, and those sorts of things. Yep. When I'm around, um, so that means like the alarm has to go off at four thirty, so I can be out walking at five to be back by six when my alarm would normally go off. Mm, yep. That is just not a thing right now. No, that is that that is a challenge. I, I like we're we're only getting up at you know sort of quarter to six and again like Rach has a commute <laughs> in inverted commas <laughs> I don't but like again hers is like literally uh, the the freeway is uh, about 300 metres away from our house uh, she drives down that for about 12 kilometres uh, and then takes uh, an exit and she is at the school <laughs> where she works at Ta-da! so, so and, and again my, my commute is walking from the kitchen to where I have my standing desk in the lounge room. So, yeah, yeah it, it's it, it, it it's cheating. It makes it that that, that much easier. Oh, like, that was my life last year. Like, I totally feel that. And in fact, it was during when when I was doing that, it was like, well, yeah, lunch times. I can I'll just take my lunch break as go for a walk around the lake because mm. um, I can come back and you know I'm not stressing anyone out by being stinky and can have a shower easily and all of that sort of stuff. And I'm still, you know, get the job done, all of that thing. I didn't do it enough, but it was certainly much easier than it is now. It's hard being, turning into old men, Stephen. It's hard not being a shut-in, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, dear me. Hey, we were going to talk about, um, we were going to talk about, uh, about big, big issues, about, um, Service clubs and why they're, they're, they're yes. dying and why I don't think they're ever going to come back again. Well, what's what's the insight, David well, Walker? Well, see, he, I, I think, and not to t- try to tell you your business, Stephen, mm. but but I have a feeling um, some of these things will 
you know, sound familiar, uh, <laughs> given yes. the discussion that we had last time. Overlap about, nicely, yeah. About the numbers in the, uh, your church. Um, so, all right. So, Apex is a little bit different to Rotary and Lions, a little mm. bit. Um, one of the big differences is that it's actually uh, an Australian organisation. It was founded in okay. Geelong. Um, and it was founded by three young guys. They're all architects and they wanted to join Rotary mm. and they were mates and they couldn't join the same club because one of the things about Rotary is that it's like the reason it was founded was as a businessman's club mm. and, and they you know, tacked the, the charity and service stuff on the side, basically, to add some more purpose. But and to core... play It's a Knockout. Oh, exactly. <laughs> but the core of it was as a business and businessman's club. And so part of that was that you only had one person from each profession in each club, with the oh, idea sure. that being that, you know, well, you don't want to have two accounts because everyone in the club is going to go and get their tax done by that guy. And if it's you have the two... no-homers club. Exactly. Uh, and so because they couldn't all join the same Rotary Club, they went, well, we'll set up a young man's organisation instead. And um, and that's how Apex was formed. So when it first started, uh, I think they kicked people out at 35 and then they realised that was just a bit too extreme. And so they upped the age to 40. Mm. And then at 40, they were just, you were forcibly retired out. And the idea behind that was to, to keep the focus on having younger guys come in. Yep. Um, and so that was really good in terms of it was something that uh, meant there were opportunities for mentoring of younger people, giving them opportunities like to, to be on, on the board and all that sort of stuff and, and develop all these skills where they might not otherwise um, in their professional life. Uh, and also, you know, Apex, uh, was, because you, know, you didn't have this businessman's um, idea behind it, it meant anyone could join it. So... Uh, you you weren't just sort of uh, full of white collar workers either. You know it, there were plenty of, uh, of tradies and, and like whoever could be in there, um, and it, you know it, it bounced along and did it did it did its own happy thing, um, and then like it was massive in the seventies and the early eighties, uh, and then just went through a collapse. By the time I joined in the nineties. It was down to about ten thousand members Australia wide, and that and they were hitting panic stations then. Right, yeah. they were they were hitting panic stations, and so one of the things that they did was they had uh, they then upped the age limit from forty to forty five, thinking <laughs> that that would fix it. But of course, no. Well, all that did was it made the problem go five years down the track, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and it still existed. And last I heard, I think they had fewer than two thousand members Australia wide. Oh gosh! So it's. It's an organisation that's, you know, th there are clubs out there that are still reasonably strong. The one in Albury is, you know, still doing okay. Um, mm. And there would be other strong ones around the country, but it's, like, never get, never going to hit its heyday again. Um, and one of the problems with uh, an organisation like Apex going away is that it was the feeder then onto Lions and, uh, and also to an extent to Rotary. See... Mm. Uh, Lions isn't uh, is an international organisation, but it was actually bought to Australia by Apex, so that it was something for their members to go yep. and join. Sure. Once they had you know, been kicked out of Apex for being too old. Yeah. Um, and like Lions is in is in trouble as well, and and Rotary they are also you know at the point where they're having trouble attracting members, uh, and their older members are quite literally 
dying off. Mm. Um, so that, that, that's where it is. But the, I guess the, the, the question's, you know, how they got there and why. And, like, it's not that people care less or that they're volunteering less or, or doing less in the community. Sure. I, in fact, it, people are doing more, but no, no one seems to want to join something like a club. Like Rotary, they have meetings every single, like dinner meetings every single week that you're expected to attend. Mm, um, yeah. Apex had, uh, most clubs had two a month. Um, and then on top of that, you've got, you know, service commitments to, you know, run a barbecue or a merry-go-round or a jumping castle or go fix a garden or do whatever. Yep. Um, and you put that into uh, a world with, you know, people working weekends, kids sport and all this yeah. sort of stuff. And, and like, there's just a pinch. Like, people don't want to commit to this ongoing thing. Um, and and the other thing, too, is, like, there's just no need for it. Like, the, the, the social side of these organisations just... The, the, they're not as important as they as they were. I mean, and and again, probably not just churches and service clubs, but I think even some sporting clubs are finding this problem as well. Whereas, at one stage, sporting clubs, especially in small towns, would have just been um, the hub of everything that happened in that community. Yeah. These days, you know, they're still important, but they but it's not the same. Like it, it, you don't have everyone from the community involved in one way or another. Um, and part of that's because, you know, we can do stuff like this. Like, like you know, you and I having a chat from hundreds of kilometres away. Mm. Um, you know, when you didn't have that option, you know, meeting face-to-face with the local people in your Apex Club or something like that, well, it was your only option. And, and, and these organisations just haven't found a way to move with the times. And the thing is, when they needed to move with the times was... 40 years ago and and yeah. and now they're just everything that they try um like they throw a lot of resources a lot of money at, at you know at advertising and at getting people to come in and do studies for them and and surveys and and they're just not getting any closer um to, to even stabilizing let alone growing again um and the big question i think and i think what sort of worries some people is what's going to replace them. Yeah. Because these organisations did do a lot of good, but part, part of their difficulty is, in some ways, finding that reason for being. Because, like, like for example, uh, the Albury Apex Club, one of the things that they used to do uh, as an annual event was a wood drive for war widows. So, mm-hmm. quite literally, the whole club would go out for a whole weekend, they'd go camp, they would take trucks out they would chop wood and they would spend the next week or so delivering loads of wood to houses all around town yep now steve uh, there's a couple of things that have changed clearly since then one the number of war widows far far lower than in the in the uh in the 50s uh, also, the number of people with with wood stoves has also <laughs> gone down dramatically. <laughs> yes, and look, and this is this might seem you know, trite, but it, and I, and I'm and I'm not wishing <laughs> that these things hadn't happened, but uh, a lot of the gaps that these sort of organisations used to fill have now been picked up by governments. Like, um, 
if someone now um, has has an accident that ends up in a, a, a permanent disability, just say uh, they end up wheelchair bound or something like that, there there is support available for those people um, to have modifications made to their home and to get support yes. and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Which were again, you know, there sure wasn't you know forty and fifty years ago. And at that point, having a service club who could come in and build ramps in your house and put in um, some grab rails and, and you know, find ways to to help you was was massively massively important uh, but it, it's just not anymore it's like it, it's this weird thing where, where uh, we've almost outgrown or we, we, we've improved our society the point to the point where it's harder to be altruistic in some ways or it's it certainly in these formalized senses I think you'll agree with me, Dave, when I say that we both know who's to blame in all this. And it's clearly, it's clearly the Muslims. Oh, um, God. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not uh, kidding. Yeah. I mean, I am kidding. So, wow, I can't even say the right thing wrong. I was going to say, no. thank you, Prue McSween. Yeah, oh, wow. Don't even start me on that woman. And just, she's even come out to, oh, don't hijack the conversation, Mark. No, no, um, come on. No, no, it's... it's, it's uh, I, I have a, a judgment-based question for you around this. You said mm. that, you know, Apex have shrunk significantly and that there's still, you know, nationally probably about 2,000 members or a few more maybe, blah, blah, blah. And there are some clubs that are really kicking on and some that are maybe last legs kind of vibe. Mm. Those clubs that are kicking on... Yep. Would they be predominantly in regional and rural areas? Well, absolutely. And so Apex never, ever had any significant uh, penetration um, in the cities. Mm. Uh, Like, like for example, in Melbourne, I think Hoppers Crossing and Werribee are about the only places where there were uh, clubs in the city. They're about Um, as far out as you can get from Melbourne (laughs) to be in Melbourne. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and it was uh, similar in Sydney. I think Barara might have had a club. But again, there weren't... Uh, oh, and Pennant Hills had one. But again, compared to... So I grew up in, in Rural, a yeah. town of 10,000. It had two Apex clubs. Gosh. Two Apex clubs, two Lions clubs, and I think four Rotary clubs. And they you all know? got together once a year to beat the living crap out of each other. Yeah, they had And then they fight. shook hands. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and... and uh, yeah, so... Um, again... There was better penetration in the cities for Rotary, uh, and I think again that's because there's that that businessman's yeah um, very much yeah. vibe to it. But again, even there, I don't I don't think Rotary are as successful as they were uh, previously. Like you know, you you had executives from uh, fairly important organisations would join an organisation like Rotary, and yeah. you know, out here in the country, people still do to an extent, but it's nowhere near. Uh, as uh, a bigger draw as it once was. The um, way you tell, I guess, is, you know, when people are lobbying to, to get voted into state or federal parliament, whether they list on their bio or they try and trade off the fact that they're a member of one of these service clubs. Back in the day, it would have been a huge thing. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I, w- I actually met Alexander Downer's son at an Apex <gasps> National Convention in 2000 and... I want to say about 2006. The cab charge using son of Alexander Downer? 
No, no. Are you sure you're not thinking of the phone card using? I could be son, phone card. Using you're thinking son. phone card using son of Peter Reith, I think. Um, oh gosh, there's too, too many of them. <laughs> too, too many. No. Um, what's his name? Edward. Edward Downer. And 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 look, considering that he and I probably don't have a lot together <laughs> philosophically, <laughs> we actually had quite a few nice conversations and and quite a few beers over right. over the week because Apex was that sort of organisation where being apolitical. Was uh, was was part of its, its yeah, constitution, uh, constitution and charter, mm. um, but a, again, it, there there would have been a time when have, saying you know you were a former Apex president would have been you're right would have been something that you would uh, promote if you were standing for office and that sort of thing, and I'm sure people still do, but it, it doesn't have the same cachet as as once it did. Just you like know, you used to make a big deal of you know I attend this local church. Oh, absolutely. Yep. The, the other thing that's been really interesting in this um, is the way that service clubs have dealt with integrating women into uh, their organisations. The chicks? Yeah. Uh, and Well, we all know what the businesses, businessmen's dinners were really about. Uh, well, actually... <laughs> oh, uh, 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 well, ironically, uh, Rotary has probably been one of the best at... Mm-hmm at integrating uh, women into its membership. And while it's still a long, long way from being 50-50, it's probably not even 50-50 in in most clubs, let alone in the organisation overall, um, they've dealt with it pretty well. Just Uh, by allowing wives to join, though, really? No, 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 no. Well, actually, usually not. Usually, um, very rarely. Um, Apex really struggled with... uh, bringing women into the organization mm. so the fur the, the i mean because I mean, again you know, all of these uh, men's organ all these service organizations started out as men only um which is not to say that there was no involvement from women but as, oh, yeah, yeah. But as you guessed that it, it was predominantly it was it was uh or, or, or wouldn't even say girlfriends it was usually wives yeah the um, ladies helped prepare the meal or did the something or the whatever. Yeah, or, or came along to service jobs or, you know, were part of the social stuff. Mm. And, um, okay, the Because Apex members were referred to as Apexians and so mm. the wives were referred to as Apexians. Oh, God. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. Yeah. But so, what, so obviously, you know, in the 80s, these organisations started, started, you know, getting some criticism about the fact that they were still men-only organisations. Mm. So the way Apex tried to deal with it was they uh, they set up women's Apex basically as a parallel organisation. Like the Girl Guides to the Scouts. Yeah, pretty much. Like, it, it, all, <laughs> almost exactly like that, to be quite honest with you. Uh, and the way that they did it was they had um, an identical structure right up to the point of um, having a, a national vice president so you had a, a, a national vice president from the Women's Association and one from the Men's Association, mm-hmm. um, and then one of those two, which would almost inevitably be the man, would be elected yeah. to become next year's uh, national president. Sure. Um, and uh, and it just didn't quite work. There, mm. there, were, there were lots, and I've met lots of women who were fantastic Apexians, um, but I also met some who really, really wanted to join 
to make a point that women could join Apex. Yeah. <laughs> and then when they got there, they were like, this is really boring. Why do you do this? And then they <laughs> left. <laughs> um, which is fine. Yeah. Except that, like, after the, the oh, we're going to have separate organisations, and that didn't quite work, then they sort of said, okay, clubs can either be a women's club or a mixed club or a men's club. Um, and that didn't really kind of mm. work. And then it just was just like, we're just going to remove gender from the constitution altogether. Yeah. And therefore clubs are clubs and you can invite whoever you want to join your club. And, you know, and if you don't want to join, have people in your club, well, you have the same rights to not let them join as you always did. So yep. it basically went, yeah, do, do whatever. Just um, like scouts. Well, mm, oh, I guess so. I think scouts, I don't think they handled it well, but they handled it better. But see, the, <laughs> <laughs> so the problem was, the problem was because Apex was you know was this boys club, mm. um, and and did tend towards being um, a bit more working class than the other the other um, service clubs. You know, it was very very blokey. It yeah. was very blokey. And so when uh, cl- clubs just you know tried to integrate. It, it sometimes did happen that you had guys who went, look, I actually want to just come along to a thing where I can hang out with some blokes once a fortnight. So if women are joining, I'm leaving. And, you know, we can... You, you can decry that if you want, but that's how some of these people felt. Or some of the other ones were also some guys who got pressure from their wives who were like, well, I'm happy for you to be at this room full of blokes once, once a fortnight, but, you know, I'm not comfortable with you being you know, the, the Mike Pence kind of side of it going on. You can't do it if there's women about, which, again, oh, I think is a bit sad. But that, mm. that was, that's how some people felt. And so what, we, what you sometimes saw was a club where women would join, blokes would leave because they didn't want women there. The women sure. would go, this sucks, and then they would leave. And the net result would be that the club would be about a third of the size that it was you know, three years ago. Yeah, blokes didn't come back that left yeah. because the women had left. Yeah, because they moved on to other stuff. Yeah. It, it was um, it just the way the whole thing was handled was, was a real mess. And then the thing that always sort of gets me is simultaneously to all of this happening and, and Apex sort of collapsing because it didn't know how to deal with women, uh, at the same time, the men's shed movement was starting <laughs> up yeah. and growing and people were going... Isn't it actually? This is really important because we need a space where men can mentor each other. Mm. <laughs> and uh, it just used to. Well, International still, Men's Shed Day. It mm. still it still did get me just going. Like Apex actually could have been this thing. It already because oh, yeah. it was focused on youth. It already was halfway there in providing that mentoring for for young guys and hopefully building them into better citizens so that they wouldn't have to spend all of their life in you know in gender segregated organizations but how how you get from here to there look mate if i had had the answer to that <laughs> but maybe it wouldn't be a, a wasteland these days but I, I think there's lots of organizations dave that could have benefited from almost hijacking or co-opting the men's shed movement um in part i think it's good that it remained independent but to the same end, I also know lots of churches that have either bought in or co-opted the idea and have set up their own shed mm-hmm. um, where, you know, the old blokes, because there's a few of them, um, get to come and do stuff and make or build or fix or the blah, blah, blah. 
Uh, and But that young blokes are actively encouraged to come and be a part of it. And it becomes a real, like, valid community connection where, you know, and, and I mean this in the nicest way, I'm sure you understand. Air quotes, ne'er-do-wells can come along because they've got an interest in hotting up their car. And there's these old blokes that have been tinkering with engines for 100,000 years that can get under the, the bonnet with them and teach them not only what the part is of the thing, but if they actually want to get better performance, they should do this and blah, blah, blah. And, have you th- and you know, that conversation opens up uh, that real opportunity for some wisdom to be passed on or for some encouragement that maybe said ne'er-do-well sees the benefit of maybe not going out and uh, taunting the police with your car every Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess what, what it all comes down to is that the the nature of community is is changing and yep. and and it is it is changing dramatically for the better because like like it's very very easy for people to uh to reminisce about how nice it was when um you know everyone had the same values and they all went to church on Sunday and they all did this and they all looked the same and you knew where you stood and it's like look that that's very that's great if 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 you were a part of that uh, dominant group in society, but for everyone who was on the outside of that, it was horrific. Like yeah. it was like the the the, the rose tinted glasses for the you know the, the white picket fence uh, Victor Neat Menzies bloody uh, quarter acre block vision. Yeah, you know, it completely excludes people of color and it excludes people. Uh, who who aren't straight? Uh, it excludes people who don't have a, a traditional nuclear family, and, mm. and you know, and the whole thing is, th- those people were, were made not, not just made to feel invisible; they were made invisible yeah. because because the people who were in that 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 uh, mainstream culture just com- completely did not see that there was any other way to be. So. Uh, I'm. I'm not saying that I miss that. I'm not in any way, shape, or form. Oh, sure. Am, am I saying that we that we need to go backwards? But I. But we don't. We're still railing against a whole bunch of that, though. Oh, yes. Like those that have been minimised, those that have been cast aside, those that had been put in a box, are still surfacing, and pockets of society, dare I say it, particularly in our parliaments, um, are not coping well. No. With these revelations of, oh, we have a whole community of, you know, Somalian refugees over here. We have a whole community of people who um, are born of or, or part of uh, a same gender parenting family or or whatever. And, you know, you look at, as good as we can, reflect on the latest census. Um, but the, the simple fact that 30% of the country opted for no religion, which puts it at the highest of all of the religions for the first time in census history. Now, sure, if we add all of the religions up, it still wins. Religion still wins. But that 30% no religion figure is significant. And if you are a conservative, hard right, you know, politician who believes that Jesus is the only way that any law is going to be anything, um, and I say this as someone who bothers God regularly, you need to take a pretty serious look at what's going on in your life. Because if you need to represent the people in your electorate, you can't just gerrymander the boundaries anymore. No, and and, and that's it. Like, 
I think there's a lot of fear that I oh, will, you know, that society itself is going away, mm. that community is going away. And that's not the case at all. It's just that... That's precisely what One Nation are trading on. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's not true. It's just No, 100%. The, sh- the shape of community is changing and we need to change with it. And, and we still don't know exactly what we think it should look like. And, and, and not just from the mainstream, but even from within um, so, some of the, commu- the communities who, as you say... Uh, are no longer being um, uh, being sidelined the way that they traditionally mm. were. There's still debate in those communities about how they want to uh, be seen by the broader community. Like, you, yeah. I mean, look at marriage equality for uh, an example of something where you, almost everyone goes, "Oh, well, that's an obviously universally supported." Yep, great, everyone wants that, and then you have people. Um, within the queer community who say, actually, I really think that the very idea of marriage goes against you know, their version of what it means to be queer. Now, no one gets to tell them whether or not that's right or not. That's how they feel. That's, that's their thing. Mm. And so you know, what, there's no... I think this is what people are, are afraid of. There's no black and white of how these communities should be or how they have to be which means that you are left in a position where you simply have to accept and tolerate everything at face value. And I think yeah. that frightens us a lot. I, oh. think, I, think, I think it puts it in the, really, in the hard basket. It's like, yeah. Mate, and, and us broadly speaking, you know, like there are elements of the church that are, are fighting really hard against things that they are just flat out afraid of, no matter how much they protest that it's not about fear. Um, and I know that there are people who aren't afraid that are still actively campaigning against something like marriage equality um, because of what they, how they understand the Bible and what they read and those sorts of things. And you know what? They're not jerks about it. You're like, they go, well... The separation of church and state happened a long, long time ago. Uh, and that, and I say this again as someone who, who you know, likes to think he does his best to be like Jesus. Um, if you're a member of parliament and you're a Christian, that's great. If you're a member of parliament and you're not, that's also great. Both of you people need to be able to agree to pass laws that affect the nature of Australia. And Christianity is but a small part of that. Be authentic. Be who you are, no question. But guess what? If you're a Christian and you're electorate, which you would now have some great data, demographic data on, is not, or predominantly not, they all have to vote for you. So you've got to really think about how you engage with the community that you're there to represent. Because we are not voting for Malcolm Turnbull. We're voting for you, you jerk. Yeah, well, again, you'd like to think so. (laughs) But but I'm going to guess the the, the number of big uh, posters (laughs) with the leaders' mugs on them at every polling booth certainly... um, Oh, and, and the reaction when uh, Kevin Rudd or Tony Abbott hmm. gets replaced by their party certainly puts uh, uh, puts paid to the idea that we that everyone realizes that they're voting for their local member. Oh. <laughs> like, well, this becomes the problem, you know. Even even the electoral 
Um, how wonky are we? Um, <laughs> even even the advertising when it comes to oh elections God, yeah. now is so much about the politics of charisma and of who you know the the Malcolm Turnbull team. It still burns me that when you look at um, one side of politics, they happily nail their colours to the mask. That I'm a such and such a party member. Blah blah blah. Um, and the other side use the colours say all the same words as you know the party line you are lucky if you can track down what party they say they represent oh they but they both do that depending on how unpopular they are like the libs did it last time around um because there was still you know abbott residual blowback but the alp have done that plenty of times like especially in new south wales oh, i'm sure <laughs> oh, so so many alp posters that have like you know tiny tiny little labor flags Just in the corner disingenuous yeah yeah, politics sucks. You, you, you know, you know. See, we used to have a politics podcast. Um, <laughs> Did you? Yeah, yeah. You know what? Turned, turned out talking about politics every week it was shit. Just made you angry. <laughs> I just used to get drunk and yell at a microphone every week. <laughs> I, I, ser- seriously, I I do not oh. know. I do not know how bloody morning radio hosts manage to do their job not not only oh. every day not only every day for hours and hours but but presumably sober because let me tell oh. you well there was, there was not a lot of there was not a lot of sobriety at this end of something wonky on a lot of evenings <laughs> well as we know some of them don't dave they they oh. have their issues and i have to tell you if i was given gifted the opportunity to be a part of a let's say all the money is in breakfast right uh, a breakfast radio team I would just suck that money up as quick as you could and put it somewhere and look, maybe six months, maybe 12 months, maybe three years. There'll be a loaded gun in my desk. Like, it won't take long. <laughs> I was going to say, look, how long could you do breakfast radio before oh. the inanity would just send you nuts? And, and, and look, I have a friend here in Albury who's been doing breakfast radio for years and, <laughs> and, and she's very good at it and she loves it and mm. I just... And I do not know. I, 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 yeah, my hat goes off to her because I do not know. Yeah, how you could? Uh, I get. Uh, I guess it's not not as not as bad here as. I mean, it's not like she's having to get up each morning and work with Carl Sandlands or some of those reprehensible oh. people. But still, just oh, it'd be well. It'd be reg- hard regional work. radio is a little bit different too. Like let's. Yeah. You know, the kind of radio that happens around Albury is significant because that's where Southern Cross Austereo, for example, house um, a big portion of like their radio school and that kind of thing. They get jocks to come in from around the country and they do stuff there. Plus, it's seen as a air quotes stepping ground, you know, a step up to hit Metro to go into the big market from rural. Um, for a long time, they've flown under the radar. You know, in these, like, Central Coast, Albury-Wodonga, um, you know, that kind of vibe, Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, people could go there and live a happy life and be on the radio and do all sorts of things and not be too bothered about the bosses who were just furiously pouring over demo numbers and listening to air checks and doing all sorts of stuff for the latest bit of fluff that had flown in to become their breakfast program. Um, it's, yeah... It's diabolical, but good on them. For the people that hang around, I think, I'm not going to say it's easier, but it's certainly a much a much more different machine when you're not in Metro. Metro is just death by the next ratings book. Yeah. Ooh. Ugh. 
Who wants that job? Um, uh, look. Rove and Sam? No. <laughs> no, yeah, it's all too hard. But yeah, look, even even that, even something as seemingly mundane as breakfast radio, I think mm. the big challenge to that is the same one that we're talking about why service clubs don't know what to do with themselves and stuff like that. Yeah. Is that um, how do you even define mainstream anymore? You know, mm. like, uh, and unfortunately, the the uh, a common answer seems to be lowest common denominator, and, and I don't think that that's a really good solution either. Like yeah. that, I think just um, uh, that 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 sort of run to the bottom um, d- d- means that uh, you're continuously looking for the next crappy thing you can do to mm. make yourself stand out from everyone else. Um, and it's just a death spiral because I, I think ultimately you hit that point where you just start turning people off and they never, ever come back. Oh, and we, we then blend into the fact that discourse has changed significantly. The fact that now anybody holding an opinion can be, air quotes, validly attacked and berated for having that opinion. Um, and it just, it, it, it swings from extreme, you can't say that, to, yes, they can, it's their right, we have free speech, and all of that sort of stuff. There's no measured kind of centrist, well, hang on, let's actually just weigh up what's being said and who's saying it. Just because it's published on a website doesn't make it true, you crap, crazy MRA dickhead. Well, um, see, he, he, and, and this is the thing, um, I think Richard Cook said, was, was talking about this the other day on Twitter. We, we've got this real problem now where... Um, yeah, we There was, I guess, this expectation at one point that calling out, you know, hor- horribly bad takes mm. would would lead to less of these things happening. Like, if you pointed out oh, the yeah. fact that, you know, uh, p- pick your favourite um, you know, mm, columnist um, was saying... So if you pointed out... Do you want the standards the, or do you want somebody a bit... No, 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 no let's, just, let's just... Anyway, anyway... No name's no pack drill. No, yeah. It, 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 the theory was, if you keep pointing out that what this person is writing on yeah. their, on their platform, you know, usually a news limited one, um, <laughs> if you kept pointing out that this what they're saying is racist or homophobic mm. or just completely wrong or, or biased or bigoted against this particular group, if you, the idea was, if we call it out often enough, they'll stop doing that. But instead, as you said, like it, it's now become part of the business model of, oh, I'm going to say something controversial and I'm going to bask in the fact that someone is going to try to call me out and then I, you know, I'm going to attack them for daring to attack me. And it's just turned into this like tumble dry of shit. It's just rotating and bouncing around in there and it stinks. 2017 must go down as the year that uh, Yasmin Abdel-Megid... Uh, kept the Australian running. Oh, God. They are still posting opinion pieces about the fact that she's choosing to move to England, I presume for work and opportunity, uh, but if I was her, I'd be getting out of the country too. What? what? And not because I think she should go, but because she's just being racially vilified on a daily basis in our national papers. I, uh, I, I cannot imagine it. I can't like not for a second. I mean, I mean the, the, again, uh, I got you know half a dozen angry emails 
and maybe twenty nasty tweets from some of Tim Blair's readers one time, and I was <laughs> and I felt like shit for the day. You yeah. know, <laughs> like that's nothing. Like yeah. talk about it. Talk uh, like I'm putting my hand up. Talk about a snowflake. Fair dinkum. <laughs> I mean, the sustained horrible. Mm. I mean, and like I said, these Tim Blair's readers. It's not like that. This was you know on the front page of the bloody Australian. Yeah. Um, you know, and then of course you know picked up by every other bloody um, you know. Every other TV station and radio station in Australia to to, to pass their judgment on it as well, like it's just toxic, Malk. Just <laughs> because somebody holds a counter opinion does not make them or you right. Oh no, I'm right, but <laughs> it's it's no, it's gotten absolutely crazy to the point where you can't even bring up scientific fact without certain people in the media or certain members of parliament asking for your freaking empirical evidence <laughs> to prove something that scientists proved years ago. Uh, we, I, think, I think the best example of that uh, was, you see this week with the, the, the exciting announcement for South Australia that they're getting a battery. Um, and yes. Jo- Josh Frydenberg yep. out there absolutely panning it. Talking about how, you know, what was it? You know, it's all sizzle and not much sausage. All that, you know, the usual crap. Yeah, yeah. For, you know, and um, the South Australian Labor Party actually tweeted out some footage of Frydenberg um, about a month and a half ago when AGL uh, put out a distributed battery system in South Australia yes. that was one twentieth of the size of the one that's uh, proposed to be built by, uh, by Tesla. Yep. And Frydenberg is there talking about how this is incredible and how much this will add to energy security and all this sort of stuff. And it's just like, man, you can't even get your lies straight. Like, it's just, ugh. How can people, honestly, and it's not just politicians, right? It's opinion writers. It's They, they, they manage to contradict themselves regularly or get caught out. And, and they just don't feel care. Like, yeah, they, they just feel like, care. yeah, they, they can walk away from it. Like, if I don't talk about it's. It's 100% the President of the United States um, approach to conflict resolution. If I don't like what you're saying, I will refuse to answer it. It's still hanging out there. The accusations are still there that you're saying the wrong thing or you're saying things that are unfounded. I'm going to say that you're the fake media. Which all of a sudden is supposed to discredit you for no reason. What is happening? We need to send the comet, Mulk. <laughs> Mate, next time a comet swings by, I'm lassoing the sucker and getting out of here. I'm doing, I'm doing a poochie, and I'm going back to my home planet. Oh boy, I. You see, uh, you know what, uh, what, what I find so frustrating about this, Steve. What, what, what continues to gall me is that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the eighties and the nineties, by no means, were you know some utopia. They, <laughs> so, no, they so were not. They do not get me wrong. However, there was a sense, there was a sense, that we, as a nation, were moving in a direction that was becoming more tolerant, where yep. the, where the discourse was becoming of a higher quality. Where if you were Someone, Tim Fisher, who said that the Marbo 
decision of the High Court was going to terrorise every landholder in Australia. You were rightly called out <laughs> for that uh, by people in the media and by your political opponents mm. for the horrible racist scaremongering that it was. I don't think that that is where we have found ourselves in 2017, Mulk. <laughs> oh, you know what we need, Dave? We, we need a time... We, we, we don't need to go back. We don't need to go back and kill Hitler. We need to go back and we need to fix the 1996 election. That's what we oh, need to do. We need oh, jeez! <laughs> we need another Vietnam. <laughs> Just sort, sort those young kids out. Oh. They won't have to worry about buying a house and if they're not affording avocado and toast if they're dead. Oh, God. But See, no, you're right. Like, and, and you know what else we miss? Honestly, we miss we miss the bastards in politics. Uh, and and in saying that, I mean that the actual the actual kind of people that would stand up and look for all of the show and fluff that we know Parliament is and can be would would seek to to write and pass laws that had view and um, uh, had nation building kind of thought put into them that would last beyond them getting elected again that actually were about the next 20 or 30 or 50 or 100 years of the nation. Not look back and go, well, we just have to repeal that because it's costing us too much money. Oh, no, no, no. You know, we we can't... Why should people feel like that they should just be able to go to university? We can't do that. They need to pay for it. Did you did you hear today that uh, Malcolm Turnbull's going to outlaw iMessage? Oh, my God. Are you serious? <laughs> uh, I did uh, see that Brandis has, has dropped some massive bollocks about encryption and, and how it's against... They they believe that it's against the law and some rubbish like that. Yeah, so they're going to go off on some... Uh, ridiculous crusade to yeah like I love the we're not talking about breaking encryption and we're not talking about back doors but there does need to be a way that governments can monitor this stuff accurately it's like great so <laughs> the prime minister needs to put into public record all of the communications he's had with his advisors and the oh, other members God. of parliament via well, encrypted social media apps yeah oh could yeah good luck with that oh. it's it is, oh, it is just astonishingly dumb. Like it just, <laughs> like it, and and oh, what I want to know is, I still have, I still have this clearly misguided, clearly misguided <laughs> idea that at some point our elected representatives refer back to our bureaucracy, yes. which is a place where we invest in. Um, specialist knowledge yes. to provide advice to our elected representatives mm-hmm. so they don't say dumb things like, oh, well, we need to be able to read your encrypted communications. Too late. Because, of course, the, the, the end game of that is, well, once you can do that, you can also, like, you also lose the ability to have things like secure online banking. Oh, which, the, the <laughs> which... ability to buy extortionately priced tickets from Ticketek. <laughs> All those things. Well, but, I mean... To be fair, um, given how bad the NBN is, um, yes. if internet banking went away, it probably wouldn't worry Malcolm Turnbull because <laughs> it would be one less thing to highlight what a bad job he'd done. Yes. But, but like, oh, so like, who? who? Someone! Someone who George Brandis trusts. Like, I mean, he's not going to listen to me. I don't, yeah. I don't expect He's employed to, someone, that's I, right. I don't expect George Brandis to listen to me. 
But I do expect there to be someone that he trusts who has enough nows to turn around and say, you can't do this. Yeah, don't try and undo all of the hard work of many, many, many wise IT professionals that have developed this standard. What? No, it's not even that. You, 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 you're trying to outlaw mathematics and you oh, can't yeah. do that. It no, doesn't no, what, work. Dave, you can. You can outlaw math as much as you like. Oh, okay, no. trigonometry, let's start there. <laughs> Vectors and matrices. No one uses that rubbish. <laughs> But no, no, you're right. It, it, it comes down to somebody suggesting that, no, we should absolutely uh, not allow or, or seek to have a... Um, what, what's the idea that they want? They want to be able to... They want, they want to be able to read decrypt. Yeah, they want to be able to decrypt encrypted content so that the government can ensure, for, from a, a security standpoint, Dave, that no one is planning an attack on our fine country. <sighs> Which is great, right until you, you realise that basically... Almost every major security scare that, that, that you know pops up around the world that you know all this ransomware crap and all this sort of stuff is is basically uh, either from exploits that have been stolen or from governments mm, mm. or have independently been discovered and are using the same uh, the same entry points as what the government surveillance stuff is using like ultimately. This stuff just make, doesn't make us more secure. It makes us less secure. And it, it's, it's not even a difficult subject to grab. Like, I mean, look, I've worked yeah. in IT for a long time, and I don't, I don't really understand encryption. I, it, it, is, it is something that smart people put together, and I understand what it is for, and I understand how to use it. But it's actually I, not hard, Dave. Oh, don't. Don't. Okay. Don't All say right. me, Stephen. I had don't. to learn because stuff, but okay. But, it, but the, the point being, like... It, it, it's not hard to understand what it is, what it's for, and what some of the basic rules are. And the rules are, the whole point of encryption is only the, the sender and the receiver can read it. Yep. And that's it. Yep. That, like, th- that's the rule. <laughs> if you think you're going to be a third person who's reading, that, reading that, that message, then it's broken. And if it's broken, just for you, it's broken for everyone, everyone. and everything. Oh. <sighs> Even. I look forward to the days, Dave, when we get handed a little packet of money every fortnight and we have to trot down to the bank to put the money in that we choose to save. <laughs> uh, we go off to the post office to pay our bills with cash money because none of those things will continue to work. We can't, cards won't work anymore. Well, well listen, at least then once we've taken down the internet, uh, there'll be no, no Netflix and maybe that'll save, uh, save Apex because people all need something to do again. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll have to go enjoy their local Apex club because they can't watch House of Cards. No way, man. Stranger <laughs> Things Season 2 just got announced. Don't you dare suggest that. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen this week. It's all right, so we, Oh, we maybe got to, after, after we got Christmas. Time. we got time. We've well, got some things I've got to catch up on. Oh, golly. Oh, oh Stephen. Wow. I mean, the, the, the decline in the service club thing is, is certainly an issue, and I think that there are other things that have kind of... Like you said, there are either formal government stuff that have stepped in to fill the void, or there's a natural attrition around the style of service we were offering. You know, it's just no longer valid. Um, there will always be need for people to be involved in their community and do stuff of a selfless nature. I'm 100% behind and all about that stuff. Sure. It, it's just that, it need, again, it's it's like, it, it is, it's just a microcosm of, of our communities at, at, at large. Like, we, the shape of how this help is delivered is something yeah. we don't really know yet. We haven't We haven't decided on. And it's hard to because we don't know what the shape of our communities really are yet. 
Um, and, and, that, and that's okay. I'd like that, that, like, I think one of the most exciting things is we are at a time when we can experiment with what it means to be a community now. Like, you know, it, it, is it a Facebook group? Is it a, a bunch of people you know on Twitter? Or is it only people who you live on the same block as or, or, or mm. see face to face? Like, and the answer, and it, this is, I think, the, the, this is the thing that I find exciting, and this is the good thing, is the answer to that question is different for everyone. And that's okay, but it's still a bit confronting and weird and hard to deal with. The only thing that can fix it is some programmatic specificity. <laughs> hey, he was from Queensland. He's your fault. <laughs> hey, and he's here to help. Oh... <laughs> uh, yeah. I've got a list of things that I want to talk to you about, Dave, but oh, it'll it'll turn into a, like a two hour and a half hour phone call if we have them. Oh, well, well, well just make sure you've got the list written down. We'll Let's put them on it. record so that I remember. Okay. Um, we signed a piece of paper to buy a car. <gasps> oh, uh, yeah. awesome. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I've, some, someone cheekily asked whether it was a HSV on, on Twitter. Oh. <laughs> the other, that was a bit mean. I wished it was. <laughs> I can't afford that. <laughs> I just want one. Um, we, uh, oh, I'm outraged, outraged at the extortionate price of tickets for International Pop Act concert next year because we're thinking about buying some for Miss Ten for her birthday. And at this point, oh, we might take her and sit outside the venue. Um, I, I've, I, did I tell you I've seen Katy Perry? Well done. Half time at the Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> I was coming home from the, coming back from the toilets and 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 the bar. But I, but I, she was there, and so was I. You were in the same venue. I, I was there. You'd already paid your extortionate amount of money <laughs> for oh, the ticket. I was going to say, yeah. Let me tell you, I, I I bet that the price for going to see Katy Perry in Australia will be re- fairly unreasonable. <laughs> Nothing like Super Bowl tickets. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, it's a self self inflicted injury. I can't complain. Oh, it is what it is, though. It's, it that's... is. And I acknowledge all the people said, "Don't go see it." Well, I'm not wanting to go see it. <laughs> I, I, this is a selfless act. My daughter wants to go see it, and those you know those big concert moments, that, like particularly the first one, is you know a moment in your life that you look back on, hopefully with fondness. Yeah, and you... go, I had a great time at this thing. I mean, I mean, just imagine, you know, once we, we absolutely perfect anti-aging stuff so that we can have mm. Brian and Julia doing rock quiz forever. Forever. Your, your, you know, your daughter at some point might be up there on that stage at the ESPY and have to answer, what was your first concert? Mm. And do you want her to say Katy Perry or do you want her to say Shannon Knoll at the Tweet Heads <laughs> RSL? <laughs> <laughs> The third thing that we need to talk about <laughs> yeah. is that I learnt the other day, uh, I was speaking with a, a new female friend of mine, um, that her partner has invested significantly in Bitcoin. I know someone who has as well, and it freaks me out. <laughs> and she was talking about it like it is just the next big thing, and they're, you know, they're going to make so much money out of this and blah, blah, blah. And I just looked at her blankly and went, it's unregulated. <laughs> and she looked at me blankly like, you don't get it, Mock. <laughs> and I just went, you guys are going to have a horrible, horrible moment at some point it's in the like, near future. I hope your wallet is in better state than the ones that were on Mount Gox that all disappeared. Oh, so there, there are three big topics that we can okay. peel back on next time we have a chat. Yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely. The Bitcoin I, I, thing oh. just freaked me out. I did you buy your car with Bitcoin? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> 
No. <laughs> All right, I can't, I can't wait to hear about the cat. Right, let, 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 let's not leave it two weeks. Let's try and talk next week. Yeah, yeah, please. Awesome. All right. I've got to go. Uh, but I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to hearing about your car. I, 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 I don't, no spoilers. I, I, yeah, yeah. No, we haven't even mentioned anything on social media about oh, it good, because good, we don't good. have it yet. Oh, good. I, I don't even want to know what it is. I, you've got, no, nothing. Silence. No, no. Radio silence. <laughs> My wife will me. ruin it, so we better record as soon as I know that we're getting okay. the car. Okay, that'll be good. All right. Well, you call me. You know where I am. I'll exa- I will do exactly that, Dave. We will talk and we will be exasperated together. <laughs> awesome. I feel you've made my week so much better, Steve. <laughs> Thank you for sharing about that Apex stuff. And I just want to put it on record with you. I was kidding. Absolutely. It was a joke about the Muslim thing. It's been eating away at me. I even couldn't say it was a joke properly at the time. 100% joke. I love Muslim people. It's fine. I love you, Steve. I love you and the Muslims, Dave. (laughs) 